Dave Mack's Cork History Matters, brought to you by Red FM. Part two of my conversation with author Jim O'Neill on the Nine Years' War, 1593 to 1603. Here we get straight into the action at the Battle of Kinsale in 1601. So now the Spanish finally come. (laughs) Finally. They took their time. But they come to the wrong part of Ireland. They come at the worst time as well, because Mountjoy, well, like you say, when he's campaigning uh, in the winter, he's taking away the Irish allies. He's weakened. Essentially, uh, his um, crew in Munster, who comes over with Mountjoy, essentially, it's worthy of talking itself, the the way he operates. has suppressed the the war in Munster. Mountjoy's actually penetrated so far into um, Ulster that by 1601, he, uh, okay, there's a lot of fighting in between, but by 1601, he's actually at the Blackwater um, on the borders of Tyrone's lands. Tyrone stops him there. To give Tyrone his credit, there's an, uh, Mountjoy launches his assault across the Blackwater in uh, the summer of 1601, and Tyrone stops him. Um, but eventually the Spanish finally arrive in September 1601 and Mountjoy, it actually gives Tyrone a break to tell you the truth because he's on the back foot. Um, things aren't going well in, uh, in Donegal and Tyrconnell and the Midlands are gone and Munster's gone. So, so did you mention that maybe his trip to Kinsale was to survey it knowing that the Spanish might come there? Even I think though it I think- was an option. Even I though I think, think they've yeah. been asking them to come to, come yeah. to the, come to the strength, the strong part. Yeah, I think it was definitely part of the plan. And Munster, as he saw it, that was a really good plot space to land. But Munster wasn't the same Munster. Yes, at the at the time at that time it was, but eighteen months later it wasn't. It's totally different. The the, the, essentially the the, the Irish are finished in Munster because Carew's kind of brutal. Oh, he's brutal, but he's very clever. He runs this really sophisticated, um, low intensity. He turns lords or just uh, pays. He's, he, rather than use military force because he's not strong enough militarily. So he's very duplicitous, very sophisticated in the way he operates, um, using spies and treachery and bribing people. Uh, and through that, he actually managed to take out the key leaders, James Fitzthomas, the Sukhan on Earth, um, and Florence McCarthy. He gets them both arrested. Uh, but it is a very clever way. He uses limited resources, so he's an outstanding officer. Uh, not exactly a charmer. You wouldn't run him away for dinner, but he, he gets the job done. Um, and he's actually even he said that, like when he says brutal, but he's the one that advocated mass pardons because he identified that a lot of the people that were still hanging on with Tyrone and Munster were only doing it because of they were fear of what they would be charged with, what they did during you know, the Munster revolt. And he says, forget that. If we say we pardon all these people, these people are just going to go back to doing what they were doing, and we don't have to. So he gets that done, and it works. A lot of a lot of the manpower in Monster just once they get that pardon, it goes all oh, right. There's nothing keeping me here. No, no, I'm not going to get charged with anything. So there's no reason. No, if I no, there's nothing compelling me to stay with your own, and certainly not this. So the Spanish come to Kinsale in September. Not all the ships that are meant to arrive arrive. Not all. No, they have. A bit of bit of weather trouble. It seems to be a theme with the Spanish when they yes. come in the island. Is the weather doesn't help, or this part of the world? Um, I think actually, I know Harry Morgan. He's um, put forward, and I think he's quite right. Is that ultimately, after a bit of bad weather, and they get to the, the south of Ireland, and they go, Conceal will do. They just, yeah. 
they yeah. didn't want to face any more weather going further up around the coast. So this will yeah. do quite nicely. And so you get like about three and a half thousand land, which by the way, was nowhere near enough. Even the Spanish officers were saying, this isn't enough. O'Neill said, this isn't enough. Mm. But this is what there was, three and a half thousand. They take but, there was, but there was more coming. There was more coming, yes. But even then, the overall force mm. was about 6,000. So he's kind of pulled his punch a little bit, Philip, has he? He's like, I'm, I'm finally, after all of these years, come through with something, but in a half-hearted, not really convincing, less likely to be successful way. It's almost like he's like, well, let's see, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a bit half-hearted. I think his officers were definitely half-hearted. Um, Don Juan del Aguila is... Del Aguila, yeah, they just weren't that keen. So when they there's kind of three went... main figures, and they kind of argue with each other as to who takes precedence and... Yeah, ultimately it works out as Aguila and he lands and he it's takes so time, of course. And it's a terrible position. He knows it's a terrible position. He calls it a hoyo. Yeah, the hole. And it is. If you ever actually stand on the ground over Conceal, it's the worst place to land. It's mm. just totally overlooked. No, it's like a, mm. all the hills look straight down your throat. Mm. And what most people in Kinsale won't know now is most of the flat town centre is all reclaimed uh, bay. Oh, yeah. um, that wasn't that wasn't there then. So it's even more dug into the hillsides. Oh, just dreadful position. You couldn't have picked worse ground. Um, and he knows it, but he, he, he digs in, essentially. Um, and Mountjoy, love him or loathe him, knows this is it. This, this is where it's going to happen. Um, and he says, what is it the line he uses? If we win here, all Ireland is ours. If we he wins, no, if we lose here, all Ireland is his. This is it. Mountjoy was betting it all. So he pulls all those troops out of um, Ulster. He pulls all the troops out of the PL. He leaves about a thousand just to keep the lights on. Um, and so Tyrone and O'Donnell are compelled. They have to march south. Because yeah, because the Spanish can't can't come out. out. Carew's down there. He's formed trenches. He's hemmed them in a bit. I think ultimately they take two of the, like what what are now Charles and James's forts, which wouldn't have been at that point because that was slightly later. But they take those two positions and they get beaten off of those. Mm-hmm. So they, the the town even ends up getting pounded and they're all sheltering in cellars and the like. But but they're they're stuck in Kinsale. They can't get out. They need the Irish to come down and there needs to be a joining up of the two. Oh yeah, remember what I said earlier about what the English do best? They concentrate. They're brilliant at concentrating forces. And this is playing very much to the English game. Uh, Mountjoy pens them in and he draws more and more forces into them. And so it gets to the point where there, like, it has 10,000, 12,000 troops around these 3,500. Aguila's gone to war. The Spanish Navy's gone as well. So the the, the, the uh, Royal Navy are sailing up and down, concealed uh, at will. Now, there is heavy fighting outside. People have seen it. He turned up and then he just sat and concealed. They had Ringkern and Castle Park outside. Mm, and yeah. there was fighting there. And they and, were and English. That's the, that's the James and, and oh, yeah. uh, Elizabeth James Fort, Fort as they're yeah. known now. Yeah. And there's fighting outside the siege trenches. Uh, the siege trenches outside. The Spanish reinforce the old medieval walls and conceal and all the rest of that. Because they're not that. Cannon are going to blow the medieval walls to pieces. Um. And there is fighting, there's sallies out into the trenches. And so Aguila is not just sitting there cursing mm. the rain. There is heavy fighting, but mm. he needs the Irish to you know, break out. Um, Tyrone goes with what he knows. He knows he has to come down. And so O'Donnell, the tell it's going so badly for O'Donnell. O'Donnell has little to lose, the tell Um, So he marches south as well, picking up um, troops as they go. O'Neill goes with the old pattern of, right, I'm going to burn the pale, because that will make my joy. 
uh, send troops, no doubt the weekend, uh, the troops around. Doesn't work. There's letters going to Mountjoy going, he's wrecking the place, he's burning the peel. And Mountjoy's just like, nope, this is where we are. And this is where it's going to be. And that's the, the you got to give it to Mountjoy. He had a clarity of vision that this is it. And um, so he, well, he sticks there. Well, and I suppose he literally has the Spanish on on English territory. It, mm -hmm. it, you know, so he's cognizant he, of that. It's a, it's a different dynamic. It's a toehold. Oh, yeah. But this is what they do. But no one in their wildest and no in their in their most torrid fever dream would ever want to have a siege in the winter. Mm. But this is where this is where the fight is. And so and so Mountjoy gets thousands upon thousands of troops sent reinforcements sent from England. They again but, understand about the logistical capacity, the ability to perform. Yes. This is what England does well. And he needs them because they're dying in their droves. Oh, that's it's so bad, uh, and it's, it's it's a appalling winter, um, especially cold. It's part of the little ice age, and uh, my job gets over six thousand reinforcements sent very quickly, uh, and by November he had twelve thousand surrounding the Spanish. By the same, by twenty third of December, that was down to six and a half. They literally, archaeologically speaking, they're still there as well. Well, that's what but, I was literally just going to say. Like, are they all buried in the fields? Oh, yeah. in around they're still Kingston? there somewhere. Um, but my joy won't be budged by Tyrone. Mm. So Tyrone eventually... They, we they actually, we've actually not mentioned O'Donnell much because he is, it is O'Neill and O'Donnell. Like O'Donnell is a, is, is, is a big figure too. And he's he's down already. He's made his he's way. Down. He's made and it down. quite that's impressively exactly too. O'Donnell makes his name. In this, uh, on, on his march south, that's where Carew's sent north to stop him, and it's at the Steve Fellow Mountain where O'Donnell does this amazing, it's actually relevant later, this amazing night march over the frozen mountain at Steve Fellow, and marches around the flank of Carew. Is that and, kind of Tipperary and the Silvermine Mountains? Aye, kind of, aye. So Tipperary, somewhere Holy Cross. Uh, up near Thurles, up near Holy mm. Cross is um where uh, Carew makes his position, uh, and O'Donnell sidesteps that by going at night over the frozen sea sleeve fell mountains mm -hmm. um totally wrong footing Carew. Carew has no option and Carew's like no dozer Carew's actually mm -hmm. a very experienced and uh, competent officer has to pull back to conceal and so eventually um Tyrone and uh O'Donnell meet near Bandon now you're getting to the sad part of the story um so the siege lines aren't uh, like a solid line. No, they're, they're quite permeable when it comes to messengers. So uh, O'Neill makes contact with uh, Aguila. And there's much discussion about what the plan was. Um, and there's a lot of people always say, well, why didn't he just wait when the English are down in their droves? They are down dozens. Well, sorry, my feeling on having read it is why didn't Aguila come out when he was supposed to come out? Because that could have changed the whole thing. Yeah, there's a that, that's actually the worst thing. People actually, I've walked this ground with Tara Morgan and Damien Shields, uh, mm. two of the people that would know the most on Conceal, mm. and um, we can't even we can't agree on exactly what happened and why it happened. It's really frustrating. Um, one of the ones why didn't only just stick to what he did, stick Best. to what he would do that. Yeah. 
what he did was something he never did. Mm. What he He's... did was something they had no training for. What he did was something they weren't equipped for. The pl- what he should have done, what he should have done, is he just waited, waited till the the army would have collapsed um, or become so weak that uh, it wouldn't have they were they were starved. They, yeah, were they starved. were starved. He'd already cut their supply lines. Presumably, before. they've diphtheria and cholera and all sorts of all the good stuff. It's, it was, it was, they were dying in droves and freezing to death as well. People, the literary reports of people freezing to death on sentry, on sentry duty, yeah. But the plan, as far as we can see, was uh, Tyrone was meant to advance uh, and take up a position on a hill overlooking Conceal, uh, Ardenari, I think it was, and uh, fortify that, forcing Mountjoy to reposition his troops facing that, and then Aguila would attack from the rear. What actually happens, as we can figure out, is on Christmas Eve, um, Tyrone moves up. He in two large formations. It's just beggar's belief. He had about six and a half thousand troops. Because vastly outnumbered the English for once. Outnumbered the English, tactically on the spot. Um, but whereas before, where he always used the skirmish methods to degrade the English. And when I say skirmish, skirmishing is really quite formal. In these days, it's not people taking pot shots from bushes. They actually had no wee small groups that they would cycle the, the fire part three and they, they were it was a disciplined formation of skirmishing that wasn't as you'd imagine um and what, a much what, what, smaller... does, what does it mean does it mean kind of harrying the lines and drawing a few out and then yeah. having a bit of a bit of a ruckus and then blending back it would you would literally you'd have like a skirmish formation where they would have fire power and rolling fire power and it would whittle them down and whittle them down and then they'd come forward and then you'd move back and then you would fire power and fire power and they would wait until the english formation started to break apart and then you could Russia. send in your cavalry to break it apart and that's that's how they did it but it was firepower was the key it was firepower was used to break them not people charging in with axes and swords and things what he had ends up and these are all small tactical units they're all roughly about four or five hundred men in these battalion with you, know, you would have pikes supporting them in the rear just in case the cavalry came out but you had these large uh, skirmish formations what Tyrone ends up doing, possibly under, again, pressure from Spanish captains, is he creates these two large, unwieldy formations of blocks of infantry. Uh, he has one, uh, O'Donnell has the other, and then there's a small squadron volant under a guy called Terrell, uh, one of a very competent officers. Mm. And each one of them must have been about 2,500 men each. Tyrone has never done this before. They've never had a formation like this. Moreover, they don't. Their troops aren't equipped to work in a formation like this. The Spanish did it because the Spanish had perhaps one shot for every pike man, or one guy with a gun for every guy with a pike, and that's how they create this big wall of pikes. Then big formation they could take a beating and keep going. Tyrone had maybe five shots for every one pike. They just didn't have the the formate the the troops just weren't equipped to be like this. So they move forward in this night march. They get spotted, which to tell you the truth isn't hard because when you have like thousands and thousands of shot with smoldering match cords to ignite these guns, 
that's not going to be difficult. And they're moving along the main road from Cork. So the English moved to intercept them. O'Donnell, this is the guy who makes the night march across the frozen sleeve of mountains of 40 miles, gets lost or gets delayed. Again, there's this, how does he get lost or why does he get delayed? It's not made clear. Somehow doesn't manage to make it on the battlefield at the same time as O'Neill. So the English detach two regiments uh, to front O'Neill. And O'Neill sees it, right, he's unsupported by O'Donnell. So he, rather than actually move on to the hill, he moves off it again and moves, as I say, he crosses a couple of rivers and makes a position behind uh, a bog or no wet ground to his front, where they open up skirmish with the lead, lead part of the English regiment. Now that's fine, that, that he holds them off and there's still no sign of O'Donnell. And um, then the English actually might find a crossing on the Irish right, on their left. And so English horse and English infantry crossed um, over to the Irish right. Now, what then happens is the English cavalry are put in a position where it looks like their crossing might be cut off again, that they couldn't re rejoin. So the story goes that they attack O'Neill's battle and get rebuffed. Their attack, initial attack gets um, beaten back. So something's working, but again, they hold off the first English attack. Then the Irish cavalry engage with the English cavalry. Unfortunately, the Irish cavalry aren't trained or suited or in any way fit to be taken on English cavalry. They, they totally equip, they're equipped differently and they fight differently. And they're routed by the English cavalry. And in their retreat, they retreat straight through O'Neill's battle with a big formation. That disrupts the formation, taking away its strength. These formations only exist when they're in order. If you disorder them, They're, they're weakened, they're, they're, they're very vulnerable once they're disordered. The English cavalry officer spots this and charges straight into the disordered unit. In short order, that just breaks apart. The, the one thing, that they always say the most contagious thing on the battlefield is panic. panic. And once that starts to come apart, there's no stopping it. Um, and then the English engage with the infantry as well. And in very short space of time, those two and a half thousand men or just it falls apart and writes. There's a stand made by Terrell and the Spanish in the in the squadron for a month, but again, they're overwhelmed by the English who are now starting to mass. Meanwhile, Aguila hasn't come out, but Aguila hasn't come out because O'Neill never made the hilltop he's meant to make. He never made the hilltop. He hears shooting, but he thinks it's some sort of ploy by the English, or he says he believes it's some sort of ploy by the English to force him out. So clearly it's far enough away that he hasn't actually been able to see the Irish. But by this stage, it's done. O'Neill's men have started the right and is only saved by the fact that um, the English cavalry is in such a poor condition that they can't actually yeah. follow they can't. What The pursuit is actually what um, we're most killing in, in all these battles this period. The pursuit, when one side breaks, that's when all the killing is done. Mm. Um, but considering the amount of men that were out, about two and a half thousand. Um, and by route, you mean scatter. Just turn and just turn drop the guns and, and just drop everything, start to run. Because you have to remember, these guys 
these are experienced officer troops, but they're not trained to fight this way. They're not trained to fight in this big unwieldy formation. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just all panics and goes to hell. It doesn't matter how elite your troops are. When panic sets in, that's it. So they don't get pursued, but about a thousand of them are killed. Which is a lot because seemingly like, zero on the English side yeah. or one. But they would claim zero. They claim one or two, but there would, there would have been... Yeah, English underestimation or underreporting of casualties has been a thing. And there's some important. suggestion they mightn't have counted the Irish soldiers that they yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. I, my judge has done that before. My judge, like, when he was in the Blackwater at 1601, he sent a guy across with the Irish troops on the, on the idea that, sure, it's the Irish troops. We'll not yeah. miss those. Yeah. Um, so they break. O'Donnell's unit isn't engaged. He withdraws without actually firing a shot. And then, of course, things come back. This effectively, the Spanish might have sallied out later in the day, but of mm. course, by then it was just back to you know, the English were back in the camp, and they, they were never going to break out. The decisions made the next day. Um, but some people says, "Well, why didn't Tyrone just reform and have another go?" And says, "You don't just have another go. That defeated army isn't. You just don't say, right, lads." It was a bit tough yesterday, but we'll have another crack today. It doesn't happen. Um, and the decision is made quite And quickly. he also might have felt let down in loads of ways by yeah. Aguila, possibly O'Donnell, uh, and maybe might have wondered, like, you know, I never I I always thought this wasn't a good idea. There's 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 huge parts of the story that are missing, mm. and so it's hard to say. But yeah, the, the fact is that the plan, he did his part of the plan as he saw it. Um, but things that went wrong that shouldn't have went wrong. Because the Spanish had a full inquiry many years later as well. Like oh, this yeah. was a big, this was a big, you know, failure on their behalf as well. I mean, they've uh-huh. committed considerably. Um, and, and what we fail to mention, and it's probably more detail than we've the ability to go into here, is they also took three castles uh, down in West Cork. Further ships arrived. Oh um, yeah, subsequent uh, on their Zubier, Um But again, that's also one of the crucial things. Is that um, Zubier was a a castle haven. Baltimore, Castlehaven, and um, Dunboy Castle, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's a naval officer and perhaps maybe not quite cognizant of the fact that he had 850 Spanish troops, but he only spent about 150 to, to Up run. to the battle. Uh, when a battalion of maybe 500 or 600 would've Spanish made. troops fighting in it might have made all the difference. Yeah. I might have given Turin that breathing space, but he didn't. He was too concerned with fortifying his position. Um, uh, so, yeah, that, that, some people pointed out that could be one of the key things. That, no. So from what you've said to me, the failure, well, the the it was the large formations that were, um, you know, an anathema to what they'd previously done. The boggy ground, was that a position taken in order to stymie the English cavalry? But that maybe seemed to have a, a factor in... in in the difficulties, or or did that prove a greater difficulty for the Irish cavalry? Um, the boggy ground was a typical thing they would have done. No, to, to reduce the English. So that wasn't cavalry. one of the. Yeah, no, the English cavalry's mobility. They they normally did that. They put bogs in their way because um, mm. the English cavalry was like the, the, top notch. They would have been counted as light cavalry uh, mm. in Europe, um, but they would have been like armored, you no, know, like a, a cuirass and pauldrons and a lance and all the rest of that. They were quite heavy by Irish standards. Um, and they were the scariest thing in the battle. Tyrone, throughout all his, even his success, all his successful battles, always made special provision to make sure that isolate or neutralize the English cavalry before you know, making his big move. Mm-hmm. Even at um, 
I'd yell it forward. Um, he cut this big massive trench that bisected and it cut uh, through the battlefield. And people always say, well, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he defend it? Like, why, why build a breastwork and not defend it? The whole reason it was built was to cut the English infantry off support from support from their cavalry. So once they'd crossed that and the cavalry couldn't follow, he slaughtered them. All the, all the slaughtering was done on that side. Um, and the cavalry had a run. That, that was all. That's a, he always took special measures to isolate the cavalry, but he couldn't here. He did the, they found their way across the bog on the Irish right. And then they had the, like when I say, you know, when uh, Tyrone made all these reforms in the infantry, unfortunately, he didn't have any success that I can see on reforming the cavalry because the cavalry were, um, that was you know, like the noble elite of the, the, the Irish society and possibly proved more resistant the change. Uh, I know certainly O'Neill had tried early in the war to arm. The, there was one report that he had 300 cavalry armed and equipped like the English. But just changing the technology didn't change the way they fought. Mm. They still fought in this loose order. They didn't charge home. People always say that they didn't have stirrups. Stirrups were just a bit of metal. And there's illustrations showing Irish horses with stirrups. Mm. So not having stirrups wasn't the issue or mm. riding on pigeons. It's the fact that they didn't train that way. They didn't fight that way. They fought a certain method. And they stayed fighting in a certain method. So whenever they ran headlong and uh, a load of English cavalry, which would have had a load of Irish people in it as well, yeah. they fought in a different way. Who fought by charging home, who fought by no direct, yeah. no uh, melee, no hand-to-hand combat and lances. Yeah. Once one hit the other, but the outcome was like, the Irish cavalry were never going to win against that. Yeah. The big problem, they, in fact, it would be better if they'd never been there because... Yeah. Ultimately, they, they caused their, the scatter. Their retreat through the mm. uh, Tyrone's infantry disrupted them and left them vulnerable to that counterattack. Uh, was it Christmas Eve that o- O'Neill got there and met up with O'Donnell, and was it the thirtieth that the battle took place? Or so it's like we're we're talking now on the twenty third of of December. So I mean, it's four hundred and twenty one years ago, almost to the day. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. The battle happened because all the dates we use are all um, uh, Julian calendars. Uh, all for the yellow forward and everything else and then sometimes when people get to conceal they almost don't want it to be on Christmas Eve so they change and use you know, the Gregorian calendar the Spanish we're using because then it pushes it into January I think it does mm-hmm. but it also loses that sort of you no know, symbolism mm-hmm. you know, this, this great victory on Christmas Eve almost like you no know, uh, deigned by God you no know, there's, there's mm-hmm. almost like a, a state that was with them Providence. Uh, but no, your provenance, that's, that's the word I'm struggling for. Um, but no, it, it, it was Christmas Eve that the battle took place. So um, so the castles are still head, held down in West Cork and McCarthy and 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 a few others are still, you know, uh, loose in, in various... Because it, it goes on for another couple of years. I mean, again, like, I mean, we've been speaking for a long time and I'm really grateful for your time, Jim. And I mean, in a way, we, we, could, we could stay going through the... Of it, I don't mind, but but let me let me speed through it a little bit and and and, and see where it brings us because um, uh, Aguila submits, mm-hmm. which he's criticised for heavily later. To tell you the truth, his options were limited, yeah. and his heart isn't really in it anyway. Yeah, um, and the Spanish troops certainly do? weren't. What was he going to do? He, mm-hmm. he just he had supplies and he had money. But is there some talk that literally the two a day or two after he his troops are shipped back out to Spain, that more ships arrive, or or literally the day after the battle, more ships arrive in Kinsale Harbour to. I but think, it's too I late. I can't remember. I know 
it's a kind of like it's a month or so where it's before they actually finally get shipped out. Um, and he actually does attack the next day, so he do, he does still have another go. Mm. But with the Irish retreat, once Donnell mm. decides to pull north, um, mm. that's it; they're done. And O'Donnell makes the decision to, to sail for. Uh, that's right. He 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 goes down to one of the castles in West Cork and sails off because yeah. his lands have been taken in the meantime. He's, yeah. he's got nothing to go home to. Yeah. And so the best he can do is go to Spain and try and... Yeah. Um, there, were, there was something I read as well about how um, because the, the Spanish signed documents with the owners of the castles that they took, mm. that it actually, it, it allowed the um, Irish chiefs to have a claim in the Spanish court at a later point. Um, and, and, oh, and, yeah. and there was a huge amount of emigration um, at, at a later point. Oh, to yeah, get, yeah. To, to Very much so a lot of the monster ones end up in Spain, um, and mainly because Carew, who remember it says Carew is like quite sophisticated, and so when he had limited uh, options and limited amount of troops because Mountjoy had most of them, he had to be quite clever about what he did. Once you go into this phase, he gets more troops and he starts to become a bit more direct, and I think he starts to get a bit more frustrated with another continued resistance, and then you get to see a lot more brutality down there, no one barking mm. and things like that. Mm. As he, as far as he's concerned, they're holding out needlessly, so mm. and costing blood needlessly. Mm. So he gets his angry hat on mm. and starts killing a lot. No, well, there's a lot more brutality mm. uh, comes into it. But then, what, people actually don't, what people don't understand is that there's more people die in Ireland after Conceal than before. In the, in the, the 18 months after Conceal, more people die in Ireland. Because even though Kinsale is the point where it's over, it carries oh, on. It carries on very much so. Uh, I, I know. Mountjoy almost dies. Mountjoy gets so ill. That's right. That it takes a April. month to recover. It and actually, he, he's criticised for not pursuing um, O'Neill, who who himself then is harried by his former allies all the way along, who are oh, maybe yeah. seeing a wounded animal now, and it's like, we'll take a little bit of revenge. So he marches back up through the country through winter. He um, loses more men in the march than he did in the battle. It's, he's just wrecked. And uh, people are basically going, a lot of the Irish lords are going, well, I'm not going to be on the losing side. I'll do my bit for the crime. And so have this a is a well. chance to show um, exactly. we weren't with no, him all along. Or... So he takes, he, he marches, he does actually make it back to Dungannon, but loses more in the march than he lost in the battle. So it's just appalling. Um, Mountjoy doesn't, like, Mount doesn't pursue Mount Mountjoy doesn't pursue. What is he going to pursue with? His mm. army is in ruins. Mm. The people, the, the people who lost the most to conceal were the English. Hmm. They lose upwards. He reports he lost upwards of six. Not 000. in the battle, but over the period. Over the period, yeah. They lost six thousand troops, dead. Over that period, far. And are these and, are, and and again, some of these are Irish, but some of these are brought over on boats from England to, to, to you know paid soldiers. Absolutely, yeah. It was, young young fellas, presumably. It was it was six five or six thousand came over. And Mike, I, I'm, I'm guessing you know the the easiest people to stick in an army are your sixteen year olds and your seventeen year olds and your eighteen year olds and oh, are yeah, they people, or and, and people you don't want dregs know that the emptying prisons are are, are, are uh, anyone who basically has no social clout is going to get left off the street. Um, fired on a boat, sent over, trained, sent over, barely trained actually, but um, it takes you you could train them fairly quickly, and I. That, that was one of the good things about guns. It didn't take a huge amount of training. So does Mountjoy go, go back over to England to recuperate? Or I know they no, kind of no, they go no, back into Cork. It goes to Cork. Um, and there's a lot, it gets a lot of abuse from armchair generals in uh, England mm. who uh, 
I think one of the lines they use is he avoids the Spanish out of Ireland, uh, which yes. is really unfair because mm. but he did uh, amazing things of what he actually had at hand. Mm. And if you could negotiate the Spanish out without firing a shot, more is the better. Mm. Who wouldn't? Um, mm. And so he does exactly the right thing and gets mm. them out of there without actually having to shoot. And and, and can get his army out of those siege lines. Mm. Um, so he does the right thing, but he can't pursue O'Neill because he's just, he, he's just not equipped and his, his army needs to recuperate. It's been battered to hell. And he leaves Carew there with more troops to, to, to deal with the, the various castles that are still in Spanish hands. Oh, yeah. And he is, takes makes no bones about the fact that... Um, uh, either they surrender now or there'll be trouble and mm. the ones that held out this like Dunboy uh, Art Dunboy pay the price for it but that comes later doesn't it that's like oh, 1603 yeah, that or something that's, that's, like that because yeah, um, yeah. is it O'Sullivan Bear in Glengariff Woods yeah. holds out and, and that's very hard to un, unseat him from there oh yeah he's he's dug in there and actually, well, actually people always think that the Irish didn't have any victories after Conceal at, 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 at uh, Glengariff they had a recent supply of gunpowder came in from France uh, that landed, and O'Sullivan Bear took advantage of it. And this is what you get to see what a properly equipped Irish force can do. That Curry sends up a couple of regiments uh, up to clear at Glengarf, and they take a hammering because this is what the Irish have got can fight like they're meant to fight mm. know, with the guns. Mm. And they, 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 I think it's he pushes them all out of Glengarf and right back to their camp. And it's only when it gets dark that actually, you know, Bad light ceases play. Mm. Um, and he eventually, though much, much later, um, when eventually O'Sullivan Bear has to retreat uh, north. Um, well, well, Dunboy Castle then, and there's a big battle. And, and then it's like it's yeah. like the it's like the the the, the trail of tears. Oh, um, it's just an epic retreat. Yes. Um, up to O'Rourke's country in 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 Roscommon or, yeah. or Leitrim. But he does it. He manages it, and even. Um, but a thousand leave and thirty five arrive. Yeah, it's insane. And, and, and when you read it, actually, you can see how. But he even he manages to give um, the English a kicking at uh, Ockram. Mm. On the um, way up. The they think they have them, uh, mm. uh, and they turn around and they actually make a stand and they hammer the English at the mm. and mm. make their way into Roscommon. Mm. Um, and they they keep fighting actually. He, they, they, some of yeah, he, even, even when he arrives, he's still with yeah. thirty five people. He's still and he he heads off to to Glen Colum Ken. Is that no Glen? What's the Glen Concane? The Glen big Con forest. Is that, well, actually, what they actually end up doing is um, they start campaigning in Fermanagh where the war started. And they're sixteen oh three. They're back fighting in Fermanagh. Which is crazy. It's sort of this big circle which comes all the way back around again. Mm. Um, and, and there's a couple of uh, there's one account of uh, uh, an English force that lands in boats that came up the um, the iron uh, near where uh, uh, what do you call the place? Uh, Listen, ski is now, mm. um, and they give them an absolute hiding. They 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 tear them apart actually. But again, this is because mm. they're they're. Possibly because the numbers are smaller, but they're 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 probably supplied, mm. and they they are, so it's actually one of the last victories the Irish have. But um, yeah, by the time we're into this phase um, after the war, like I say, there's more died after concealed than before. That's because majority um, gets better, moves north um, with the likes of. But O'Neill hadn't stopped, had he? I mean, he he was. Still... Oh no, no, he was trying to rebuild, but unfortunately for him, the, again, the world moves on. Uh, and one, his aura of invincibility was gone, and people don't like back and losers. And so this 
this aura of invincibility built up over the previous seven years is just gone. Also, where he normally got supplies was supplied out of Scotland. Huge amount of faith. got far more out of Scotland than he ever got out of Spain. But he got that mostly because James VI turned a blind idea. He had Elizabeth and Elizabeth's ambassadors to Scotland were constantly going on about they need to cut off this trade coming out of Glasgow. But James never bothers. Um, it's never made clear exactly why. But, um, I have my own ideas that James saw this as James saw himself as a, a claimant to the English crown when Elizabeth finally died. But there was also a threat or perceived threat from the Infanta of Spain also had a claim. And so, and people say, well, that was never going to happen. But do you read the papers? Actually, it was a clear worry to him that the Infanta might get the throne and not him. And so, as far as I can see, and certainly circumstantial evidence would say that he was quite happy to have this war, this Spanish-backed war going on in Ireland. And as long as it's a Spanish-backed war in Ireland, no Spanish anything is going to have any claim to English crown. And so he's quite happy for that to happen. And why I'd say that is that as soon as he gets he gets contacted by um, the, one of the Elizabeth's senior officers, a guy called uh, Robert Cecil, and he's assured in 1602 that he'd get the crown after Elizabeth died. As soon as that happens, all of a sudden, then he clamps down on the armed ship inside of Glasgow. Then he starts arresting the merchants. And all of a sudden, that tap switched off. So even if Tyrone had the resources to rebuild, he's, the supply, the, the, the lines of supply that he got out of Scotland are gone. So even if he could find the men and the money, the, the, the equipment just wasn't there. But, but, and but again, I mean, like I said, it doesn't end there. It, it, it ends up where Mountjoy eventually follows him into the north. And engages well, in. Well, you, you mentioned people don't think there were any more wins. I mean, so the English tried to take on O'Sullivan Bear on the journey up. So O'Sullivan Bear has a win in Glengariff. Uh, and, and on that desperate march north, where he's harried by Irish as well along the way and, mm -hmm. and, and attempted to be taken out at Ockram, he, he wins that. But O'Neill himself also has, if not wins, certainly still displays. Uh, his power at various points, or that he's that he's not a completely he's, he's not done. No, he, he's still gathered forces. Um, but is that the problem? Is that with the Irish, one of the one of the strengths the English have with the Irish is their military power and their military ability isn't tied to political power. Their military leaders aren't political leaders. In Ireland, political leaders are military leaders, and he's losing them. O'Donnell's gone. Maguire, who was his cavalry commander, he was killed in the skirmish in Munster in 1600, which, because of the dynastic succession under Breton law, this starts a succession dispute in Fermanagh. So Fermanagh is almost in the civil war between the two claimants. One, of course, is backed by the English. Um, and he can still pull together part, uh, military power, even to the extent that when Mountjoy gets to the Blackwater in 1602, and goes to move on Dungannon. Remember, I told you they get, before yeah. going to conceal, they get stopped at the Blackwater. Yeah, Mountjoy still won't force that position. That position is still so strongly held that he goes mm. right. So he actually goes about six miles downstream on mm. the Blackwater and builds mm. a new fort called Chardemont after himself. Mm. Um, so the, the the military power is still so strong that Mountjoy still isn't going to force positions like that. 
mm. and so sidesteps it and then moves into Dungannon in the summer of uh, 1602, only sets fire to it, obviously, mm. and decamps off the um, Glen Concane Forest. So he goes on the run, but he can still actually gather forces. But in the meantime, um, what Mountjoy um, done, he instituted a scorched earth policy mm. where he was busy burning crops, killing cattle. He had charmers like Arthur Chichester operating out of Belfast, who was just uh, murderously brutal. It's in a pantheon of terrible, terrible people. Arthur Chichester is probably one of the worst. Uh, he used to boast about the numbers of women and kids that he killed uh, in dispatches, like and killing women and kids like it's cool. It's just uh, he, he wrote letters saying that a million swords won't kill them as much as one year's famine and writing about how we killed them not in multitudes and this is a bad thing because remember we were saying about the mobility earlier that it's hard to actually civilians can move faster than soldiers because soldiers are burdened and they move under formation but with cavalry and things like that you can slaughter civilians and like he was doing these naval raids across the lock and mentioned about one where he says about killing men women kids and everything that as he lives or breathes, they killed and burned everything that fell within there. And he was boasting about this and was raging that he couldn't kill more. Uh, he's an absolute charmer. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't come a cropper. He actually ends up becoming Lord Deputy after the war. Um, he's actually Belfast founding father. There's actually a mural in Belfast with Arthur Chichester on it. Lovely. Great. And there's been plenty more Chichesters in history uh, oh, through yeah, Northern yeah, Ireland Chichester history after that. His line died out, but yeah, the family kept going. Um, mm-hmm. Believe it or not, then the family ends up. That's the uh, current Lord O'Neill in Shane's Castle is actually descended from Chichester. They changed the name in, I think it was the 19th century, or no, 18th century, from Chichester to O'Neill. There's a certain irony in that. Absolutely there is. Wow. But um, anyway, I, was, <laughs> I digress. Yeah, yeah, this this famine kicks off in 1602 in Ulster. Um, And now this is constantly blamed on Mountjoy. Now, Mountjoy was trying to start a famine, but it happened so quick that, and it mentions that when he got across the Blackwater to get to Dungan, the country was already eaten and bare. And so what it looks like, there was already an agricultural collapse underway caused by years and years and Mm. years of warfare. Mm. He got it worse. Presumably a lot of the men required to do a lot of the work and a lot of the whatever are are, are gone or being killed or are off on the uh, in the in the woods or well to tell you the truth, demographically speaking, no, because you're talking like six thousand, seven thousand. But the studies have been done in demographics across Europe, you know, and the amount of troops raised and things like that. And even in the most prosperous part of Europe, say you know, the low countries, the most they could ever harness was maybe five percent. With the population into the army, other countries like France and uh, England could be we have two and a half. But yet, people who say, "Oh, well, for Tyrone to have six thousand, but like there's some ridiculous claims that like Ulster only had a population of forty thousand, which is absolutely nonsense. Um, if you actually extrapolate the population for the amount of troops raised, you're still looking at about population about three hundred thousand in Ulster. Mm-hmm. There's overall maybe two hundred fifty thousand, but you're looking at for, to be able to raise the amount of troops he did based on mm. other other countries. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of times people just left. Um, there's a lot of accounts where people were, uh, they moved into Mon- uh, Monaghan, places like that, just to get out of the way. Mm. And one of the um, accounts from Mountjoy says that he reinstituted agriculture in Armagh, and once he secured it, to feed the people 
leaving from Tyrone. What we've done to trying to totally strip Tyrone the population, mm. but not kill them. Just mm. okay. Chichester wanted to kill them. Man, mm. Joy didn't. Mm. Um, and his thing was that yes, still would involve killing, and that's what famine does. Uh, he was actually instituting that to put political pressure on uh, allied no, anyone allied with O'Neill. They were trying to put political pressure on them to make them betray O'Neill. Mm. And that's that's what he was doing it for. He was, he was trying to get a force of betrayal. Mm. It didn't happen. Mm. And the famine that he created was far worse than even what he intended. And how we know it wasn't just him is that even though the famine kicks off in Ulster in 1602, and it's appalling, and I know Tyrone after the war says something like 60,000 people died in it, and just in his lands, the famine is actually island-wide by 1603-1604. So mm. the famine was coming. Mm. Just the, all the military activity and the scorched earth by my joint made it happen in Ulster first. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's appalling. Like, it, 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 there's people that mentions about there's like a thousand people, or was it a thousand or three thousand, dead by the roadside between Dungannon and Loch Ness. And the appalling amount of misery that just appealed after that. That's why I was saying that more people died after concealed than before. Yeah, because before you didn't have these agricultural collapses. Yeah, um, we spoke as well about O'Sullivan Bear making it up to O'Rourke's country and heading up into Dungannon to find O'Neill to 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 keep it going and 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 he- looking for him in Glen Glen mm. Forest. But l- little did he know already at that point he had left Glen Conkeen mm. Forest uh, and headed for Elephant. Yeah. So what what caused him to finally say to throw in the to throw in the hat or to not what finally caused him, but you know, because I think, I think it's fairly obvious. Think we knew, yeah. <laughs> the game was up. Like even the, like, he sent letters by the end of 1602. So why? Uh, oh, he'd been, he'd actually been trying to submit. Had he oh, yeah. been sort of fishing for it to sort of say, um, but what I can't understand is almost that, I don't know whether it's chivalry or what it is or, or whether, you know, because he is a titled, he's still, uh, he, well, I don't, I don't think Elizabeth wanted him to keep the title and he ended up, keeping it possibly because she died. But even then, the, the, the mutual respect that there must have been between Mountjoy and, and his nemesis, um, you know, he's, you know, he submits to him in Mellifont, which is, is it a ruin? Because, Mel- you know, I've been to Mellifont Abbey, you know, the dissolution think, of the churches has happened. Is- I think it was turned into a big, one of the, I can't remember who owned it, but I think it had been turned into a large house. You know, that, um, oh, yes, because they actually owned lands out in Ballymascanlan. Um, yeah. So uh, I think it was actually the. It had been granted to someone, it. so maybe the build. You know, because you you walk around the ruins and wonder what what must it have looked like. Um, yeah, I think there's a reconstruction somewhere. Like, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember mm. seeing something when it was actually turned into like. Is a, there any reason why it's that site or that spot? I can't think of one, mm. but I'm sure there may well be. Nothing mm. springs to mind. But Although what, I did, um, I do know that O'Neill had gone to Ballymascanlan too, as well. So that Mellifont thing, yeah, there's there's something about that. But look, but, irrespective. Anyway, the um. But yeah, he go. He'd actually sent a letter uh, in December, busy saying that he'd willing to submit, but under terms. Elizabeth was having none of it. She wanted him stripped of his title and his lands. But no, she wanted him beat. Um, so this letter he'd sent. This is he'd sent this letter at the same time as Murray still holding out at Dunboy. Um, but eventually he goes to um Mellifont because he also see letters. Um, the Queen's been resistant to say the least but remember as mentioned one of our chief officers um uh what's his name 
Robert Cecil, that was it. Robert Cecil writes a letter to Mountjoy, and it's pretty much, it's almost treasonous, but it's like, he says to Mountjoy that he knows why the Queen's annoyed, but good subjects like ourselves sort of have to make the deals and then we'll sort it out. It's all quite, let's make a deal and then we'll smooth out the Queen after, no one's, she's it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Exactly. She'll be raging, but she'll be happy that this is done. And so Mountjoy's given a lot of latitude. Uh, O'Neill's still not, he's not a broken man, not by anything. Even when he's writing this submission, uh, I know these offers of the submit, he's sort of slipping in these wee digs. One of it was, uh, he says, now, I want to submit and I want to know this and that. But if you don't agree, I'll just have to leave for Europe. Yes. And they're going, that's the last thing we need is this guy loose in Europe. Because he can say, I was never defeated. He becomes like this. He, there's a potential for him to become this like touchstone, this focal point for you know, more trouble. So literally, when it comes to Melophon, um, and it's not him just, he goes through this pantomime of no uh, on his knees submitting and all this sort of, this is after four days of negotiation. So it's not like he just turns up and starts crying. He does actually do all this pantomime crying and all the rest of this. It's all very performative. But that's exactly what it is. It's performative. Mm. And people say, well, what happened to him? And it's like, well, it's almost like no harm, no foul. Mountjoy gets his submission. He gets to keep his title. He gets to keep most of his lands. He rescinds the, the great O'Neill Gaelic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. But that's that's fine by him. He, he renounces the title of O'Neill. But he still gets to keep some of his irks. You know, this is Lords like O'Cahan, O'Cahan, who was promised. It's okay, lads, join our side. And this O'Neill want to be out of your hair. That all goes by the wayside. And it's almost like no harm, no foul. After all, there's letters. Like there's a guy, John Harrington, apparently the, the, the inventor of the uh, flush toilet, that was legend would have it, writes this letter uh, after the fact, going, well, we spilt all this blood. Yes. We've lost all these men. We've lost all these friends. And for what? For this beast from Tyrone to be baited? Because what happens is it's kept a secret from Tyrone that uh, Elizabeth has died in the meantime. Now it's, it's kept from him. Um, I find it quite interesting that Elizabeth has died without ever knowing that Tyrone had submitted. But it was something like three days beforehand, so oh, maybe yeah. she was yeah, maybe beforehand. she was aware he was coming. Mm -hmm. Do you think? I, I who knows? It's speculation. You don't know. Yeah. But otherwise, she would never have received. She would, was dead by the time he actually submitted. Would he have made a different decision? Would Mount? I know, I know, I know. This is literally okay. the kind of like, extra, I don't know what extra he could have got. Mm. Uh, and but would he have been given the terms? Like maybe it was easier as well for Mountjoy to give him those terms, knowing Elizabeth. It was, was easier was... to Mountjoy because Mountjoy had. Let's say pressure was on Tyrone, but pressure's on Mountjoy as well because he's got a succession coming up now because he knows James isn't going to be a shooting straight away. There, there's a possibility of you no know, discontent, to say the least some Scottish king coming down and becoming the English king. Well, that's it from House of Tudor to House of Stuart. Exactly. James James the Sixth of Scotland and James the First of England is as he ultimately becomes. This is a whole potential for God knows what. So Mountjoy needs to get the deal done and get back to England. So he's under pressure as well. So possibly... Okay, yeah, he wants it to wrap up so he can yeah. make sure, yeah, be, be where he needs to be. Because also, even if it all goes well for James and everything's fine, 
everyone in court is going to be setting up the stall and getting their positions mm. to the new mm. king. Mm. And where's he going to be? Mm. Somewhere in Ireland? That's not mm. going to work for him at all. Mm. So yeah, he needs this done and done. And I think he previously admitted that he wasn't going to be able to catch uh, uh, O'Neill. He was like, oh, he, totally. he said that we'd only catch him if by luck, yeah. because this whole no, um, no one, even people he had submitted, mm. where it wouldn't give him up, wouldn't give him away. Mm. And if there's actually even some accounts of people who'd submitted, while they won't give them away, and have it did actually provide supplies. Mm. No, they mm. allowed the the stay England mm. King. So yeah, even though like. When you say submitted, it's not like they were willing participants. No, they weren't jumping mm. on the team and going to yeah. big win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just securing their own position and making mm. themselves safe. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's ultimately where it ends. Where it, and then within a couple of months, he is um, in England. Tyrone is in England with Mountjoy hunting with James with, the first, first and sixth. No wonder you have people like Harrington losing the head, going, "What? <laughs> what is the crack here?" It is bizarre, isn't it? Like, but, the there, the story, are, but the, there is, is there some story of, of Mountjoy and uh, O'Neill's uh, sharing a, a quarters on one night and getting rip-roaringly drunk together? I'll take your word for that. It makes a good story, and I hope it's true. <laughs> um, but the... I know when their travels, when they were... Uh, the story goes that when they were travelling to see the king, they got pelted on the road by uh, people who'd lost men in Ireland because of the war. Um, so it had, it had it was known and it had an effect in England. And the, But yeah, the fact is that Stuart, what's even better, which <laughs> me up because the moxie on this guy is something else. He goes with Mountjoy to see James, who he's been on good terms with before. Remember, he yes. had that with James yes. during the war. Yes. yes. While he's there, he sends a letter to Spain <laughs> saying, by the way, if you need if you me need, to start this war, if you if you need this war started again, if you I'm need me, guy. I'm still here. <laughs> wow. Still, though, he you know to to, to sort of wrap us up, like because that is you know an amusing uh, aspect and anecdote to it. But he he comes back. It's 1603, and he stays till 1607. But really, he sees the game is up, and he does he see plantations plant no because the plantations happen a couple of years after they after, they leave yeah. from Rathmullen but basically that's the last roll of the dice is it or or is he seen that I, I can't really quite restore myself here or what do you well he's good until about I think it's 1606 when Mountjoy he becomes the Earl of Devonshire, Devonshire he dies. dies and he'd been protecting him in some he's fashion been covering him but again um, why is there almost is there almost just a mutual respect over over the I, the... Think, I think there must have been there must have been um, a worthy adversary, but, but once, yeah, Mountjoy's not one to hold a grudge. I love him again, love him or loathe him for being an English general. Once the war was over, the war was over for him. Mm. No, that was it, it was done. Mm. People like Chichester, and, and, and it was bringing it was bringing the English economy to its knees as well. I mean, they, they needed it. Was near the, bankrupt, yeah. yeah, it was near bankrupt. The one of the things they had to do, they had to debase the coinage in Ireland. And when Mountjoy gave off about that, because he knew it would have a devastating effect on the Irish, you know, the, the loyal Irish economy, because he wouldn't be able to import anything, not with his money. Uh, Cecil writes back saying that if we are forced to raise more taxes here, we could have rebellion in England. They were broke. This war cost Elizabeth £2 million when their annual revenues were like 100000 120000 
and the the the, the near bankrupted country, which is mad because if you go to some of the English um, history books now, you think you know that Ireland is a footnote. But if you go through things like Cecil's papers, you know the Salisbury papers, every second letter during this period, you no, know, it's definitely during like the ninety eight to sixteen three, is about Ireland. It's mm. just it, it predominates everything. Mm. So yeah, uh, so he's bad, but Ulster's fairly devastated. Ulster had a hard time of it. Um, famines widespread in 04 across the it, country. Yeah, uh, the whole country's racked by famine by 1604. Um, but he's back to doing what he does and he's trying to reestablish you know, his uh, control over his uh, like sublords. But Chichester, after the death of um, my joy now in Devonshire, um, Chichester becomes Lord Deputy. And uh, he does not want to run there. He sees okay. Tyrone as something to be okay. got rid of. And him and I think it's the attorney so general. He, he, he not only holds a grudge, but obviously is a a dark man in his approach to yeah. things. Um and him and a guy, the attorney general called Davies, are basically doing everything and anything they can do to catch Tyrone out. It doesn't actually help that Tyrone is in contact with Spain. They can't he's in Spain like they can't find he's in contact with Spain but they're trying to frame him for being in contact with Spain mm. they do everything like they approach his wife uh, Catherine McGuinness mm. mm. and I Tyrone hasn't exactly been nice to his wife mm. um, at one point he tried to set her aside or divorce her and he turned up got the priest sold to turn up to say to divorce her and then she said in no undue terms that basically she had all the dirt on him and if he's going to get divorced her then there'd be repercussions and Tyrone knew she wasn't messing. <laughs> Set the priest away. Um, but yeah, they they see her as a weak link and see maybe we can turn her. Um, but she rebuts him in very short order, and gives him short shrift, and says like, "No, he, he's my husband, and I'll not be you no know, disloyal to him." And mm-hmm. sends them packing so they see the can turn. There's even people who've reported him being in contact with the, um. Southern, the old English Catholics, the old English Catholics, strangely, at the very end of the war, started to have a bit of discontent because they think um, they, they there might be some no repression under James. And there's a, a wee bit of argy-bargy with them after the war. Um, it's called the Recusants Revolt. Uh, Mind you, I deal with them very quickly. Um, but yeah, they're not happy with the situation. Uh, and there's some contact with them and Tyrone. And this is reported, but even the person that reported it said that, well, I'm just letting you know, but if you bring it up in court, I'm going to recant. No, I'm not going to testify against Tyrone. So even Tyrone still had a lot of people loyal to him, even in the old, the old, the old uh, English, were still quite uh, favourable towards him. So even though they might uh, report on him, they wouldn't go so far as to do something that would get him executed. Mm. But yeah, but Davies and Chichester conspire, 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 and it ultimately gets to the point where... Um, Tyrone is called to London by James. Um, and this he sees as this is a move against this. He's never getting away. He's, he's, he's never he's, he's bound he's never to the tower. Yeah. Um, either a tar or a gibbet or an actually either way, he'd not see Tyrone again. Um and so yeah, that's when they make plans. Uh, him and O'Donnell, which is Rory O'Donnell, um, make the plans, and that's where you get the flight of the earth. The flight and of the Earls, 1607. And this, 1607. this, 
this puts a cap on the the, the old Gaelic order of Ireland That's and it. paves done. the way for the full conquest all, of Ireland by the new English. Then end up transferred to the crown and all that free land, but because it's now under English law now. Mm. So, so it's it's cheated, I think. Is, is that the states? Cheated, is that it? Um, um, so claimed by the crown and filled with with planters from Scotland. That gives us a legal basis for filling it with plantations in Scotland. Mm. They could have possibly done, even if they'd have been there, you might have seen the smaller scale plantations, mm. and certainly maybe in the maybe in the Macdonald lands or mm. in the east of Ulster. Mm. Certainly not on the scale that you saw with the Ulster plantations in the uh, And the subject matter. So it's just it's a fascinating. Uh, I suppose I've used the phrase in a different way earlier, but a sliding door moment for Irish history, full stop. Although probably there's other ones too, but we won't go into it at all in any way. But 16... oh, no, no, the... no, sorry. What I wasn't going to say we won't go into is, 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 is that's the Ulster plantation in 1641. There's a, a rebellion against that. And there's a lot of brutality or there's a certain amount of brutality, but it's, it's also uh, written up to uh, during the English civil war at the time and the, and the, and the, the brief Republican moment under Cromwell and stuff. And it's, for propaganda purposes is arguably written up worse than it was but certainly mm -hmm. awful stuff happens in that 1641 rebellion and and revenge is taken against the the planters and it and it's 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 seeded the bitterness that mm -hmm. that well hopefully arguably doesn't remain just to the degree today but well exactly but certainly it 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 put the 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 the, the planter and the gale for mm -hmm. want of a better way to phrase it in the north uh, uh, in a in a in a situation that was going to make uh, trust a very difficult thing to to find. Now, the weird the weird thing in this war as well is that um, the Scots ultimately were allied with the Irish. Mm. One of the major allies that Tyrone had in the north was the Macdonalds of Antrim, mm. mm. uh, and actually some of the few officers you actually get named that were killed to conceal were Macdonalds mm. from Antrim, and uh, they killed with uh, Tyrone's Ulster troops. Mm. Um, and it's one of the few cases where they they were allied so closely. Like the, uh, one of the big defeats the English get is at uh, outside Carrick Fergus in 1597. Arthur Chichester's brother John gets killed at it. Mm. Most of the Carrick Fergus garrison are slaughtered. Well, and maybe that maybe that provides. It's, it's one of the potentials is that um, Arthur's uh, seeds of his absolute hatred of the Irish was brother um, was killed by a Scotch Irish force. Uh, Macdonald had a very traditional sort of. Uh, uh, Scots forces, you know, like um, uh, they were called Red Shanks, mm. they were like Scots mercenaries. But O'Neill reinforced them with 500 shot, and uh, a couple of days later, they, they set up this parley with uh, John Chichester, and it all goes sideways. And Chichester and half his army are killed, and Chichester's head's cut off mm. and stuck in a barrel, and stuck in a barrel of salt and sent to Dungannon. Okay. Um, or Start, I'm starting to see why Arthur might. Uh... Were reportedly uh, his head was kicked around like a football. Um, so Arthur might have felt his grievances were um, warranted, but yeah, that Arthur's just. But is is it an irony that the Scottish were allies of Ireland and that and that it's a Scot ends up taking the crown? It is quite strange, yeah. Um, and then it almost what had been allies end up in the plantation or pitted. Mm, against each other. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because actually, one of the things that um, they always mentioned about using Scottish troops, and they'd mentioned uh, during the war that uh, English officers said, "Well, surely we can recruit uh, Scottish troops to use against Tyrone." And they were like, "Jesus, no! One, they're too like each other. 
two, we'll never get them out of Ulster, we'll put them in. Mm. Um, because, because they knew that there was affiliations between the, the Irish and the Scots, mm. um, that they had more in common with each mm. other than with the English, and there was every danger that they were just mm. going to turn against them. Mm. But yeah, this is one of the weird ironies of history that ultimately the English establishment then engineered this op- this opposition in plant- during the plantation. So when O'Neill and O'Donnell go, that's not the same O'Donnell that left from West Cork in, in oh, post No, 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 that's his brother, I, O'Donnell. That, that O'Donnell managed to meet the King of Spain, I believe, the, the one that left West Cork. The O'Neill and O'Donnell that leave and presumably go to La Coruña in, in the northwest of Spain in Galicia um, and are... are taken in by the court there but they don't ever really because actually England and Spain then make peace they do make peace time moves on they, O'Donnell the Red Hugh O'Donnell of legend uh, when I say legend he's legend because the O'Donnells actually wrote most of the Irish archives that we have you know, like the life of Red Hugh O'Donnell and the, the Elms of the Four Masters are written by the O'Donnells the Al- Al- mm. Al- Al- um, but yeah ultimately they uh James, see, James is very much a, a let's make a deal sort of guy. He doesn't mm. want this war with Spain, and mm. he makes the makes peace peace of London next section of the war. Mm. Um, and, and that so removes like, and that removes Ireland's there's not, there's means there, there, of thrones. There's no need. No, no, there's no backers. There's mm. literally the Irish will not be able to fight this war on their own. Mm. Um, if there was another one, um, and O'Neill like, doesn't, uh, O'Neil doesn't even make it to Spain. Oh right, that's right. That's right. He makes it to Flanders and then ends up, um, which uh, was Spanish territory at the time, but he doesn't oh, yeah, make it. Yeah. To... Um, and wow. then he ends up in Rome. He ends up in Rome, and that's sixteen sixteen, and that's where he dies, yeah. assassinated seemingly, or or, or knife. No, he wasn't assassinated. No, he just died of. There was one uh, of them. There was one of the the. There's rumors that um, O'Donnell was assassinated uh, because someone claimed he did, but uh, and people actually. I think people jump on that one because it's better to have your person assassinated because no one likes to think that they're great leaders just yes. sick and dying. Because gotcha. where's the romance in that? But but a lot of Irish do go to La Coruña and claim 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 um, shelter from the Spanish oh, court. Yes, yes. The a lot of the monster ones all go to La because Coruña, of what yeah. had happened. Um, um, so O'Neill never makes it to Spain. He dies in Rome. So sixteen oh seven to sixteen sixteen. So he's got eight years to go mm-hmm. or nine nine years to go. Um, in, in that they left Rathmullen, Loxwilly, and sailed away ostensibly to to gain support in Europe, but mm-hmm. presumably knowing at that point that they weren't going to get it in Spain due to the peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does. Um, certainly, they, I try to imagine. They, well, for one thing, they had no options. They couldn't stay. And the only or, or, or is it, or is it, Jim, that like it said that they were going off to get more support to cover the fact that actually they were leaving because it was done and 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 they'd nowhere to go. It's hard to say. I think he left with every intention of coming back. Mm. Um, probably gone with trying to re-establish you no know, political support. Mm. Um, because obviously the political support underpinned everything else. Mm. Um. And so, yes, even though it's the flight, I think it was every, like, yeah, certainly the letters that he wrote while he was there, it sounded like he, he had every intention of coming back or re-establishing himself. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Spain fancied that, and that's why, essentially, ultimately, he said, like, an open prison. Mm. It's, it, he was in Rome, and, you know, we had this, this apartments and all the rest of that, and it's the, the empty palace. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Spain, they, in fact, he tried to actually get back up to Flanders. Um, and the Spanish weren't having it. I don't think they were keen to be having him rocking the boat. 
So yeah, politics pulled the whole European Western European politics had moved on, where Ireland just wasn't playing the part anymore. And so the last chance for, I suppose, the Gaelic order in Ireland to assert itself and assert some sort of sovereignty in its own territory against the as English... Gaelic Ireland, yeah, as much in the like, even though it was a hybrid, it's 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 it, you know that's what I feel about it is like, and I know Neil is a great character, like he was a hybrid Gael, if you like. I mean, I don't, sorry, I don't. That that's not meant to diminish him, but what I mean is, is that you know, it's not this like oh the Gael, the pure Gael. Yeah. Oh God, it, no, not the slightest. We, we, we were already we were already a, a society that had been hugely influenced by all of those who had come and passed through and moved through, and the more you look at history, the more you see the amount of people from all over who moved through mm. and passed through well, Ireland. I can, I how could you not like it's, it's literally it's going to happen but um i was one of the examples we use with Toronto, and basically this hybridness of the whole thing is uh one he was big he, he seemed to be quite happy to use primogenitor which wasn't that wasn't an irish thing um one of the smaller things i remember just noticing that which, was, which is father to son as a, that's not how the gaelic system to, worked the, by the gaelic system with thomas did um Another much smaller thing, perhaps easily missed to show how O'Neill was quite happy to use a hybrid system, is there's an account of uh, a guy goes to Dungannon and he's going all sorts of detail on different things. Uh, but one of the things he mentions is that there's one of O'Neill's men ends up in stocks outside the castle. Now, stocks isn't a punishment under Irish law. Stocks is an English punishment. So he's quite happy, it would appear, to take which suited him, not a hybrid. Clearly, he was happy to use a hybridized mm. legal system mm. um, um, and was getting away with it because this mm. is at the height of his power. Um, well, and, and you spoke about that when you talk about his ability to mix and match in military methods and, and, mm. and, and you know, Ireland is a moribund society or a society that actually was open to innovation and open to change. So this is part of, you know, would have been interesting to see what kind of an Ireland might have emerged or, you know, certainly it changed the course of history for, for Ulster. And that's the... In some ways, the ironic thing about it is, you know, where Ulster is that contested mm. piece of land and has been for so long, but it had been again, quote unquote, the most Gaelic part of Ireland, mm. the part of Ireland that that couldn't be uh, broken by the English or or penetrated too much. Mm. And it ended up being the one penetrated more than anywhere else. Well, that, that's that's actually why the, it's one of those, it almost the biggest what if that rings and reverberates. Because you, know, like, you can say like, well, what if they'd won in the 1640s or what if James had won? Yeah. But this is a real transition though from the yeah. old order. Yeah, to, yeah. And the very idea of what if the old order existed? Yes. You develop. Well, I think that is also, and it brings us back nicely to the very beginning, I guess, as we mm. reach our final conclusion two and a half <laughs> hours in, and thank you, is that's what fascinates me about this as well. It does seem to be that what if moment and that, mm. that kind of final transition over. I mean, there's the 1640, there's Cromwell, and then it settles down in the 1700s. The walls are taken down around... You know, domains are built and vast estates. You know, it's 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 a it's a, it's a conquered, settled land, mm. and it's it's only until really 1798 that you get the first. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's arguments of other aspects along the way, but 1798 then is the first next sign mm. of a kind of a can we can we um, can we coalesce to create a dominion yeah. of ourselves on our own island, and and that story continues. We're we're still in the midst of it. <laughs>
<laughs> We're still in the midst of it. Uh, Jim, thank you. Do you have anything finally you'd like to say? I'd like to thank you for your time. It's the Nine Years War. Um, I'm going to split this podcast into two pieces, as anyone who's still listening to me say this will have already figured out for themselves, because um, we are talking two and a half hours, which is remarkable. That's definitely the longest I've done. The Nine Years War is still still gettable, 1593 to 1603 by you, James O'Neill. Um, it's still wherever you buy books you can still get it Four Courts Press and uh, I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed our chat do you have any final words what, what would you yeah. say to what would you say to Hugh O'Neill I'd say you'd have a few questions oh. from him oh we're sitting on the 23rd of December and I've still got people coming up in tweets and shouting through history stay where you are <laughs> we had a couple more days but no that's that's it that's a romantic notion that you just go oh just for the want of this and for the want of that but no, it, it, it's great that um, you have us on and we get a chance. It's, like we're saying, it's doing the great what-ifs. Um, but it's also one of the biggest what-ifs. It's also possibly the least well-known. Yes. Out there. Um, yes. And so anything that uh, people makes people waking up that Ireland wasn't this backward place. It wasn't mm. it, it wasn't predestined to defeat. And it did come very, very close to having a very different future. Mm. And on those words, we'll finish. Thank you very much, Jim O'Neill. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.